ever wondered what it's like to return to practice in the field of architecture after a long break? You're about to find out as Anne Vanner shares her experiences, challenges and surprises upon returning to the world of architecture in this week's episode of Architecture Business Club, the weekly podcast for solo and small firm architecture practice owners just like you who want to build a profitable, future-proof architecture business that fits around their life. I'm the host, John Clayton. If you want to get notified when I release a new episode and get access to free resources and exclusive offers, then go to mrjohnclayton.co.uk forward slash ABC and sign up to my free weekly email newsletter. Now let's talk about returning to practice. Anne Vanner is a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Architectural Technologists, a chartered architect, an academic and a living future accredited professional. She brings an unconventional and unwavering passion for the built environment and a desire to make a positive change in the environment and for those who she works with. And starting point and approach to architecture is practical creativity. And her practical background spans over 20 years in architecture practices in the UK and in Germany. Anna's had a long break from practicing architecture and has recently returned to practice, which is what we'll be chatting about today. To learn more about Anne or to connect with her, visit habitat-architects.co.uk. Anne, welcome to Architecture Business Club. Afternoon. We've got a really interesting topic we're going to be talking about today, but before we dive into that, I um, wanted to ask you about something you enjoy doing outside of work when you're not um, working at the practice. And I know that you you go sailing, you, you're interested in sailing. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into that? I've always sailed, uh, predominantly dinghies. When I was a child, I read Swallows and Amazons and thought it was a, a great way to spend uh, life. I then have sort of sailed charter ships, uh, sailing boats, always as crew. And then a few years ago, I realised that the rules and regulations were changing and I needed to get my formal uh, sailing qualification. So that's what I've spent sort of my time away from practice doing uh, over the last 18 months. Uh, Went away to Greece and am now a uh, proper sailor. So yes, next thing is to buy my boat. Oh, that sounds absolutely amazing. I've been fortunate enough to be able to go sailing on a small number of occasions, not not very often, and it was an amazing experience, something that I'd always thought I'd like to do more of. Haven't yet got around to it. I, uh, kayaking is my thing at the moment, my way of getting out on the water. But maybe, yeah, one day, one day sailing, it's on the to-do list. I have my boat, then uh, you're more than welcome to come and join me. It'll be moored in the, in the Lake District, first of all. Uh, before I get to retirement and then I'll have it somewhere in the Mediterranean. Oh, that sounds absolutely fantastic. I will definitely take you up on that, Anne. Thank you very much. <laughs> we could talk about sailing for a while, I guess, but we're going to talk about your recent experience of returning to Praxis. I guess the first thing I would ask is what prompted you to go back into practice after, was it was it around 10 years out of it? Yes. So I... Uh, left practice having once I had uh, my little boy so that's over sort of 13 years ago and I went into academia because it made sense as a working mum I worked at the local university had a great time uh, ran the architectural technology program described by Sam Olwinkle in 2014 as one of the best in the country 
but had always promised myself I would return to academia. Now, I'd thought I would do that when my little boy was four, when he went to school, didn't happen. Uh, Then I convinced myself it would happen when he went to high school and COVID and things like that happened. And next year he's going back to college or he's going to start in college. So I needed to pull my finger out uh, and get back into practice. It was one of those sort of times when the stars really did align. So uh, my business partner, who was a graduate of mine, uh, started sort of this about this time last year, sort of saying, it was really busy, needed someone in. And I thought, right, this is an opportunity. So initially I came in as sort of a consultant, would come in, do a few days work and things like that. Uh, and that conversation then grew to us then in October, setting up Habitat Architects. Oh, as a fully fantastic. chartered architectural technology and architect's practice, yeah. Brilliant. So we, we find you at a very exciting point in your career. Absolutely, yes. It's a, an exciting but also scary uh, point. The realisation <laughs> that what I remember from practice uh, and what I'm now faced with are two completely different things. Oh, that's very interesting. So have you noticed much change since you last practiced architecture and uh, oh, since you had that break? It's huge. I can't, I can't, uh, it, it's, it's absolutely massive. I, I spend a lot of my time now sort of saying back in my day, or we would have done it like this, whether that's about how we communicate with people, whether that's uh, about how we sort of go off uh, and, and sort of do go on to site visits and things like that it is absolutely huge it's, it's massive yeah a lot of changes then so yes um what changes have you noticed specifically about planning the planning process tell me about that again it's the way that sort of the whole process uh like i say uh, my favorite saying at the moment is back in my day i would have met a planner on site we would have had a conversation about what was being proposed we would have had a bit of a backwards and forwards possibly a couple of sketches would have been faxed to one another we would have led, read through sort of some simple policy and then i would have put the plan application together which would have consisted of the drawings that were needed a design and access statement. If we're dealing with listed building, obviously listed building consent and things like that, that would have been it. Nowadays, I can't speak to a planner. I can't get hold of a planner. When I do get hold of one, I have to do it sort of via sort of emails. There's a whole system for pre-applications that I have to get my head around. And then actually when you get to make the plan and application, the amount of information that is needed, uh, sort of, you know, those pieces of the jigsaw have just got smaller. So the jigsaw itself is the same picture, but the pieces needed to make the plan application, are, there's just thousands and thousands of pieces. And, and you know, I'm still, so I've, I've been now back sort of about three, four months, just, you know, the terminology, the people we have to engage with, whether that's to deal, dealing with bio net diversity, um, planning statements, our agriculturists. It's just, it's, it's bonkers, bonkers. So if only we could rewind and go back to the glory days of fax machines and, and being able to actually talk to a planning officer in person. That's just like unheard of now. <laughs> well, we used, I mean, I used to do a lot of uh, conservation work. So we would speak to the planners. We would have a conservation officer that we would speak to. Now the realisation that most local authorities don't even ha- have a conservation officer in post, that often the planning officer is, de- is, is wearing both those hats. It's Yes. It's it's nuts. 
the times that we live in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, still fun. It's different challenges. Something else that um, was sort of touched upon there is around sort of communicating, really, the way that the way that we communicate and how that may have changed. What what notice have you uh, things have you noticed there that's different to how it was before in terms of like communication methods, how you're communicating with other stakeholders on a job, your clients and planners, etc. Well, it's the realization that the email is king; that everything is done sort of via email. But then all the other communication methods that we use uh, or that people use, whether that's people sending us WhatsApp messages, so keeping a track of that, where information is coming from, uh, how it's just nuts. You know, we used to have uh, an office, everyone had an office phone uh, and that's how we would communicate. We would communicate with one another across the office like that. Now we sit here, there's only the two of us, but we rarely use the landline. Everyone's using their mobiles, uh, like I say, emails that are coming in and just keeping a track of of that. Uh, You know, I do things like write a file note on a piece of paper and I hold it in my hand, this physical thing, and I go, where am I going to store this? I don't even have a folder now to to put it in. And we have to scan it and and that goes into... So, yes, it's just... It's 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 completely completely changed. But yes, the amount of information that we have, and the different ways it's coming at us, like I say, whether that's through emails, through your WhatsApp, through social media, through the emails, it's just it's it, it it's nuts. Have you noticed the volume of like phone calls is is less? Yes, yes. I mean, we would spend. Um, I would probably spend about a third of my day on the phone uh, before sort of leaving practice and, you know, making file notes, ringing people, having a conversation with them. Uh, Nowadays, we do very little of that. Most of the time I'm tapping away at the keyboards, sending an email and just thinking, actually, I could do this a lot easier if I actually had someone's number and could ring them. Yeah. Emails can be a huge time suck. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of email. Well, and as, so I'm dyslexic as well. So uh, emails are, I mean, I, I, I function perfectly sort of well with them, but sometimes it takes me um, a little bit longer to compose it as opposed to just having the conversations and letting it sort of flow between, you know, the questions, the answers and things like that. Yeah, so. I think the way I struggle with email is I'm by nature quite a perfectionist and I'll, I'll draft an email and then I'll tweak it and then I'll change a line and then I'll reread it and change something else and something that would have, you know, could have taken just a few minutes over the phone, can end up taking half an hour on an email. Well, that's it. It's that sort of, you're trying to say what you want to sort of say, but it doesn't come as freely. Then my typing skills are not what they should be. So there's always then sort of mistakes. Add then the dyslexia bit to it, you know, sort of what I would have done in a 10 minute phone conversation and write the file note can take me the best part of sort of half an hour. And I still, when you get the response, you think, no, you didn't get what I was actually asking. So you have to go through the whole process all over again. And then it's what you do with that email, sort of where do you put it as someone who is, I suppose from my academic time and from being in practice, that document management, sort of keeping a record of who said what at what point and what were they looking at at that point. So I keep looking at these emails and going, well, I can't, there's no point me storing them sort of in the email place. They need to be in the job folder, but getting that email then from there into the job folder, having it somewhere where you could find it. So 
even the way that we store things. Like I say, we used to have job, job folders. So I would write a file note and I would put the job number on the top and the date and it would go into a, a folder. And then the office admin would get the folder out and she would slot it in in the right date order. So it all made sense. So there was this you know, paper trail of the conversations, the drawings, what was happening at that time and things like that. If I tried to do that with any of our jobs now, it would take me a week to piece it all together from where all the different bits of information have have ended up and what have you yeah so have you noticed uh, other changes around document management on projects uh, yes you know like i mean that just the whole sort of thing and i suppose it, it um when i went when i was in practice in my younger days i walked into a practice so i i learnt you did you know, you got shouted at if you didn't follow sort of the office the, the the procedures that we had sort of set up and because this is a new practice we are both sort of trying to work out sort of how do we best do things so picking my brain on, on what I used to do then talking to Roger about what he has been doing and trying to work out sort of which is the best way so there's there's a lot going on in terms of the changes and then trying to develop systems that work for us here at Habitat Architects. So yeah, there's there's a lot going on. Sounds like a lot of work. Returning to, to practice, I mean, it must have been quite a learning curve. What are your thoughts on continual learning? So as, some, as someone from um, an academic background, I'd, I've always advocated to students that you never stop learning that you know it is just a constant sort of learning uh, every day is a learning experience it's been a huge learning curve that I've gone through and I'm still I'm still on it I'm still sort of actually just at the bottom of the sort of slope of, of what I need to upskill myself on but it has been so good for me in terms of um, reconnecting dots in my own mind uh, scraping through that sort of trope my memories and recollections and going oh god we used to do that like say one of my favorite sayings at the moment is going back in my day this is what we would have done remembering all those sort of things and how it felt and, and, and why we did it so the sort of the framework and the theory behind it is still very much as it was it's just the different way of doing it but yes learning you never stop you never stop learning and if you know you go home and you haven't learned something then then you weren't paying attention to what was sort of going on so whether that's conversations with you know uh, your planning consultant or even your clients you know actually that real art of listening and sort of taking that in and then sort of slotting that into the bits of information that I already hold and things like that but I've loved it and I'm loving it so yeah Long mate, continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, every day's a learning day, isn't it? That's what Absolutely, I always like yeah. to say. Your practice, Habitat Architects, it's it's a partnership. Yeah. And I'm interested to know what what drew you to a partnership over becoming a sole practitioner. Remember, don't forget to subscribe to my free weekly email newsletter. You can do that at mrjohnclayton.co.uk forward slash ABC. And if you're enjoying this episode, then please visit podchaser.com, search for Architecture Business Club, and leave a five-star review. Now back to the show. Possibly, uh, it, I think it, for me, it was confidence. 
Abs- it's 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 all about confidence. But then also, I I while I describe myself as a functioning introvert, I'm quite happy in my own sort of space. When it comes to work, I am definitely a team player. I like. Uh, to have a team around me, whether that's somewhat people I can have conversations with, you know, just how was your day and things like that. Sharing ideas, you know, bou- literally bouncing ideas off, you know, um, having that comf- the comfortableness of sort of someone who understands what you're sort of trying to do and why you're trying to do it uh, to then sort of, you know, come up with, and also the ability to sort of uh, test out ideas you know, whether it's about how we're going to do something or what we're going to say, how we're going to speak to clients and things like that. It, it for me, it's all about uh, the confidence. You know, having someone else uh, next to me or behind me or in front of me, it's in, and in a partnership, you know, all those positions are are important. So sometimes, you know, the other person is behind you, sort of encouraging you. Sometimes the other person is ahead of you, and you're following, and you're going, "I need to catch up with them," or they are just sort of side by side. But I functioned all right during COVID, that sort of working from home by yourself. But no, I, I, I do need someone that I can I can talk to on a day to day basis. Yeah. So and reminds me why I'm doing it. Yeah. So starting, so starting or joining a partnership is is a great way to avoid some of the the common issues that sole practitioners have. The things that you mentioned there about. Um, having somebody working side by side to be the kind of cheerleader there, support, somebody to bounce ideas around with, all of those things that I think sometimes you don't realise how valuable they are when you're actually working within another practice with a team and then you go off to work as a sole practitioner and it's like, oh, I would have normally spoke to one of my colleagues about this detail or I'd, I'd you know, I'd go and talk to the boss about this fee proposal. It, it, there's all those different things that it, it's great to have somebody else there to to bounce those ideas around with. So, but it's also that realization that we don't we're not all brilliant at everything. Mm. So it's marrying up of that that sort of skill set and sort of saying, right, well, I'm good at that and I'm comfortable doing that, so I'll go off and do that. Uh, you're good at doing that and you're comfortable doing that, right? You crack on. And, and do that and then working out where the gaps are and then trying to work out who's going to sort of fill those gaps uh, in terms of whether it's a skill set or a bit of knowledge that we we don't have and things like that so yeah so being in a partnership is also another way to help you to play to your strengths absolutely yes and and i think um the the, the it yes it allows you to sort of to to be, occasionally be a little bit selfish, so to go. Actually, I, I'm really interested in doing this. Well, fine, you know, we I, we can see where that sort of slots in to the the bigger picture. But it also is the place where people can grow as well. So, uh, you know, where do people want to be, and can we create a space within the partnership to allow that to become something that that person can take on and and develop and grow into? Brilliant. What things should people consider before? starting a partnership-based business or, or architecture practice? Do you think there's any specific things that they should think about before they go running off to start a partnership with uh, somebody? I don't I don't think the... the you sort of know. It's, it's like when you walk into a house, isn't it? And you know that the house is the house that you want to sort of live in. You sort of know that everything is in the right place of where it's going to be. I suppose it's testing and out and having those sort of conversations, whether it's about 
what's good, what's bad, uh, where your strengths or where your weaknesses actually are. Being able to be really honest and open about sort of what it is that you're trying to do and, and where you're actually trying to go. What else? I think you 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 just know you just you you just know, and it it, it sort of just feels uh, right. You just have to go with that. So remembering to, uh, I, I've I've since being back that realization that occasionally I need to shut up a lot more and do a lot more listening. But listening, so listening using my ears, but also listening to what my gut's saying, what my heart's saying, and what my head is saying, and going with that, and not being as scared either as well. So I have spent. Um, probably the last 10 years, being absolutely terrified of the thought of, of doing what I am doing. And there was always a reason why I wasn't going to do it. This was a really good group of students or there was going to be a degree show or I was going to get on it or whatever. There was always a reason not to do it. So yeah, having um, someone to do it with gives you that confidence, but learning to listen to uh, what you're sort of, what you're feeling as well and going with it. I'm being brave though. Absolutely. Is it important that the the person that you're looking to partner up with, do you, there's certain things that, that you do need to be similar on, like um, beliefs or approaches to design, the mission. There must be certain elements that need to be aligned. And maybe there's some other things that maybe it doesn't matter if you're very different with on other matters. Have you got any thoughts on what things that, it's good to be aligned on. So I think the, the, the like you sort of say, those values, the, there has to be an overlap. There definitely has to be an overlap. So I have to describe it like a Venn diagram. So there's Roger and there's me and there's the bit that where we are together in terms of our values and our beliefs. So I've known Roger for almost five years now. So he was actually a student of mine. And that realisation that when you started, whether it was in reviews or what have you, talking about things that, we we were spe- saying the same sort of thing, possibly from different viewpoints or different approaches, different times in our lives and things like that. But there was, there was definitely an overlap. So there has to be an overlap, but there also has to be you as an individual, those bits that are sort of outside that as well. So yes, the, the, the values, views, and again, those are part of those conversations you have sort of right at the beginning. Where do you see practice going what are our ambitions do we have the same sort of um end game in 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 play do we are we imagining the same sort of thing so we've done quite a lot of those sort of exercise think about where do we want to be in 12 months time where do we imagine ourselves in three years time and if we can imagine where we want to be then we can sort of start setting the journey of that and we can understand then where there might be issues that we might need to face on how we're going to deal with that so if we appoint people who does the appointing how do we, all of those sort of things so it's almost like a bit like role playing sort of and that's what I mean about those sort of conversations lots of conversations but also lots of listening and going oh actually I, I can I can align myself with that or that's something I'm prepared to compromise on that's something I'm not prepared to compromise on so like I say that that listening to you as an individual and think, working out actually where those boundaries are Okay, so so in the first instance, if you know somebody or, or can find somebody where you feel that there's maybe some synergy, that that's a good starting point. But then beyond that, really 
listening to each other and having some open discussions about the future direction of the partnership and the practice to make sure that there is alignment in the overall. It sounds like that could help to kind of iron out potential future issues that you could have further down the line if the, the visions that you had were were very different. But also making sure that those uh, we, that those conversations continue as well. So not get obviously we're here to make money to run a business, but actually you've got to create the space and the time to continue having those conversations. So we always have a morning chat where we sit down and we just talk about sort of either what we did last night or what happened yesterday and things like that, work out what we need to be doing sort of during that day for the rest of the week and then the rest of the month. So there is a lot of, of uh, chatting conversations. There's a bit of writing and sort of making notes and things like that, but those they they have to be sort of... Um, we have to, you have to create the time and the space for those to actually uh, take place. You're absolutely right. I think that's really important to to make the time for that because it can you can very easily just get into a habit where just work takes over and you're both just firefighting client project work and maybe not necessarily having those regular conversations that can be really valuable. Just something else I wanted to ask actually, just to kind of summarise things, I guess. Based on your recent experience of returning to practice, what would be your top tips for anyone else that might be thinking of returning to practice or or even just starting a practice um, based on what you've been going through over the last few months? My top tip would get friends, uh, make friends with YouTube. So like I say, all the learning. um, As someone who's sort of doing this sort of like you end up sort of feeling sometimes quite alone but you know youtube in terms of software what have you just sitting there in the evening and even if it's just 20 minutes and also you realize how you can do something a bit quicker oh boom there's there's a quick win having uh family and friends sort of behind you i'm very lucky that my husband has been extremely supportive of everything i've sort of done and that makes uh life uh much easier and just being brave there was someone who sort of, you know, I gave up, gave up. I left a very good, uh, well-paid job, nice long holidays and something like that. And everyone, there were a couple of people sort of said, why would you do that? And it's like, why would I not? There is no security even in sort of, you know, salaried work and everything like that. They can turn around. At least now I can see sort of where the money is, where the jobs are. I've probably got more security now than I had back then. Uh, I'm dis- I decide myself where I need to be and what I need to focus on. So yeah, uh, just just do it. Be brave. Just do it. Great just advice. do it. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody should use that for a slogan. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else that you you wanted to say that we haven't covered in the the course of the conversation? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it, it it's you know this this journey. We're only sort of at the start of. Um, setting up sort of the practice someone want i think it was my uh, someone said the other day that you know you don't expect anything to happen sort of overnight in terms of you know great things you know that the first year you look after the business the second year the business will look after itself and the third year the business will look after you 
and like I sort of say, whenever we've had those conversations, we've talked certainly about sort of the three years, where do we sort of see ourselves? But it is honestly, it's it's been just the best thing that I've ever done. Um, the amount of people who just now sort of say, God, you've got a real sparkle about you again, or, or you seem really happy. And it's like, yeah, because I get to go and sit in an office with people I like, doing stuff I like, and making a bit of money out of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I'm so pleased for you, Anne. There was one other thing I wanted to ask you, and it's not about returning to practice. It's just something I like to ask the guests that come on the show. I love to travel and discover new places. Can you tell me about one of your favourite places and what you love about it? This could be anywhere, so near, far, anywhere you like. Oh God, that's that's not an easy an easy question to answer. I've spent a lot of my time travelling, but I would probably I'm going to probably say uh, Berlin, off Prenzlauerberg, which is sort of in the, it was the old hip and trendy place in the old east part of Berlin. There's a cafe on a corner. Uh, you can get to it really easy, so by tram and the S-Bahn and on your bike and things like that. Uh, they do a fabulous sort of all-day breakfast. So you start off at sort of you know 10 o'clock having breakfast and cups of coffee and can still be sat there at 2 o'clock once you start sort of having a couple of beers. There's always, you can sit there by yourself um, and it's just in the heart of, of a very ordinary part of Berlin. Um, and it's, yeah. So And from there, you can then plan where you want to spend the rest of the day in Berlin. So I'd go to Berlin, I'd sit in that cafe, orientate myself, get my German ear in again, uh, and then I'd head off somewhere in the evening, yeah. That sounds brilliant. I'm, I'm long overdue a trip back to Berlin, and uh, I will definitely seek out that place the next time that I'm fortunate enough to go. And that's been absolutely fabulous. So thank you so much for sharing your recent experiences on the show. Really do appreciate that. Where is the best place for people to connect with you online? So uh, to go to Habitat Architects, to our website, but also I'm quite active on LinkedIn, uh, where I spend a lot of my time sort of talking about how we might heal the built environment uh, and sort of education, why education is so important in what we're doing as well. Brilliant. Thanks, Anne. It's a pleasure. Take care. Next time, I'll be talking about planning your business year in quarters. So it's all about quarterly planning. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Architecture Business Club. If you liked this episode, think other people might enjoy it, or just want to show your support, then please visit podchaser.com, search for Architecture Business Club, and leave a glowing five-star review. It would mean so much to me and makes it easier for new listeners to discover the show. If you just want to connect with me, you can do that on most social media platforms. Just search for at Mr. John Clayton. The best place to connect with me online, though, is on LinkedIn. You can find a link to my profile in the show notes. Remember, running your architecture business doesn't have to be hard. And you don't need to do it alone. This is Architecture Business Club. 